It is now time for Ant and Nick to press play. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Ant and Nick Press Play Podcast. Indeed. Hello, everybody. I'm Nick Bowden, as if that's any of your business. Yeah, and I'm Ant Belton. I know. So, this is part two of a very special look back at the 1997 ITV drama, The Vanishing Man, or The Vanishing Man. The government project... Medical torch. Is it safe? Of course it's safe. When an experiment goes badly wrong... It was like it just disappeared. Disappeared? There are unforeseen consequences. I fade in, I fade out, it just happens. Neil Morrissey is The Vanishing Man, Saturday at 8 on West Country. So this pilot is not available anywhere. Yeah, so basically nobody can watch along. No. Um... <laughs> But that's fine, because they can listen in. Uh, it's a bit like the radio, and that's great. This is basically an audio book. Yeah. Hopefully everybody's enjoying the story. Yeah. So, with this being on ITV, obviously it's got adverts. So The Vanishing Man is split into five parts. We've done up to the end of part two. Yeah. So, so far we've met Nick Cameron, played by Neil Morrissey, a pilot who is given 25 years in prison for accidentally smuggling, <laughs> in a way that only Neil Morrissey could, accidentally smuggling plutonium into the country. While he's in prison, he is volunteered for some medical research into what he thinks is suntans, but when his legs start disappearing in the shower, he realises there's a bit more to it than meets the eye. So, when we left him, he'd escaped from prison as an invisible man, got into the car of his solicitor... <laughs> And then made um, a hilarious reappearance in the nuddy. I should do. And uh, has been trained to explain himself. So, let's get on with it. Let's rejoin Neil Morrissey as the Vanishing Man. Ooh. <laughs> Part three of the Vanishing Man. They mm. get a taxi back to Alice's. Yeah, probably for the best. Car's still wrapped around the tree. <laughs> I don't suppose phoning the AA would be the best plan. So, Nick can't remember where Gaiji's was, because it was all blacked out and everything. He says it felt like North. Mm, pirate I mean, Nick. Brilliant. Has he got a magnetic head, as well as <laughs> magnetic golf clubs? Personality. He was my head, it affects the compass. Felt like North. That doesn't narrow it down either, does it? Because they're in London, mm. so a lot of things are North. Yeah. But he does remember one thing. He saw the word Hanoi written on a canister. Mm, When I was younger, it didn't sound like a real thing to me, Hanoi. I thought he was just pronouncing the letters. Hanoi. Hanoi. I honestly thought it was like a made-up word. (laughs) Obviously, it's in Vietnam. I know that now. in Vietnam. That's helpful. You still don't take this seriously, do you? Seriously? Have you any idea what I'm doing having you here in this flat? No, wait, I... Look, before you came along, I was handling the biggest civil suit my company has ever had. I have worked for nine years to get where I am. But if anyone so much as walked through that door, that would be it. She'll be in trouble if Nick's caught harbouring a criminal, an escapee. 
she says maybe it was an accident and maybe it was really was about suntans and it, that was just a horrible side effect. But no. Nothing about that place made sense. Miss Jeffries, the doctor. Miss Jeffries? Well, that's what she called herself. Right, well, that's her name. Or do you think you could describe her if we went to the police? Well, what's the point? They never believed me. Then what are you going to do? I don't know. You're right about one thing, though. I shouldn't be here. Well, have you got anywhere else to go? It's my flat. You can't go there. My brother. Joe. But you're thinking about the plane. If he's still got it. <laughs> Please don't let you get near it. Well, maybe it won't be so easy to see. <laughs> this is more of the Neil Morrissey acting that we like. I don't know! I wonder if I acted like that for a whole day, how long I'd have my job for. <laughs> or, indeed, my marriage. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so Nick says, oh, well, I'll go. For, if you're not going to believe me, I'll just go. Don't care. Going to find my brother, Joe. Now, this, I always thought that it was explicit that they were brothers. Hmm. But this is the first time it's mentioned that Joe has got anything to do with him other than, like, business partners. I mean, I would have probably cast someone else from... Yeah, someone from his neck of the woods. Yeah, maybe not somebody who's a scouse. <laughs> How have they got two different accents? Yeah, it's a weird one, isn't it? I mean... Maybe they yeah. moved far. And they don't look like each other. Somebody must have mentioned it and just thought, don't matter. <laughs> Fine. Who cares? Yeah, this guy did. So one can only assume that they are stepbrothers or half-brothers <laughs> or they've never met before. So um, there's a chance, obviously, that Nick could just escape on a plane and just be a fugitive forever. But he doesn't. he hasn't worked it out yet. He just goes. And then wanders the streets... Some, like, sad harmonica music in the background. Yeah. As in his bare feet and his... <laughs> and his sportswear. <laughs> his tracksuit. Oh, man. Yeah, he's a sad sight, or not, as it were. Yeah. Probably wouldn't have been walking the streets, you know. I probably would have maybe just kept quiet and then hid somewhere. But no, he's walking the street, making himself obvious. And as if his day couldn't get any worse, he gets splashed by a car. Really bad. Terrible. <laughs> and he dives into the nearest pub. Now, this is my first bit of little research that I was pleased with. From Crime Traveller especially, I've been kind of obsessed with finding the real locations through on-screen evidence. Mm-hmm. It all depends on if there's a shop name or, a, like in this case, a pub name or some kind of landmark that I can trace it to. Uh, in this case, it's the Prince Alfred Pub. So I narrowed it down, and I found the exact street. So it's in Maid of Ale, this uh, pub. 5A Formosa Street, Little Venice, London, if you must know. W91E. It's strange seeing real places, because obviously things on film, with certain lenses or certain angles and stuff, just look different from what you mm. see on screen. So it took me a while, because I was thinking, is that the same pub? Because it looks like he walks for ages around this corner. But it's just the way the camera's sort of following him along. It just makes it look longer. Yeah. So, yeah, let's all go down to the Prince Alfred Maid of Ale, if it's still going after COVID. Fingers crossed. So he goes into this pub. There's no bouncers on the door to say, shoes. Sorry, mate, you've got to wear shoes to come in. (laughs) And you've got to not be dripping wet. Yeah, I don't know if he ducks in, if he ducks in because he got splashed or whether he was planning to go in anyway, but all of his mates are there. Which again, it's, mm. this is a thing that really highlighted how strange Jeff Slade is written. Because we're already, we've got this little group of friends, 
that we only see for this scene. And there's a history there, and there's a, you know... The yeah, old... it's weird. It's much better written. Jeff Slade, we never see any of his friends, other than the people he works with. And he doesn't like anyone there, except Holly. And, and is it because Jeff Slade has no friends? Or is it because it was just poorly written? Who knows? I don't know. Because this was written at the same time, presumably, by the same person. Mm. And there's there's similarities. But yeah, I just think it's weird. He's got no girlfriends. He's got no friends. We see his dad. but Yeah, exactly. He doesn't even hang around with his dad when he, his dad finally gets out. Not seen his dad in five years. Yeah, really weird, isn't it? I would have liked to have seen Jeff be like more of a popular character. I would have liked Jeff to have ducked into a pub and seen just seen his friends for a scene. But um, yeah, so he sees his friends. Uh, we've got Jerry and Catherine. Uh, I can't remember if the other guy's name comes up, but um, Catherine, who's played by Nadia Sawala. Nadia Sawala. Recognise her? Yeah, I love Nadia Sawala. Yeah, it's nice. They're sort of like shocked to see him, but they're not. They're kind of not that arsed. <laughs> they're just like... It is a weird thing, isn't it? It's like he gets arrested every weekend for nuclear arms <laughs> smuggling or yeah. something like, oh, here he is. <laughs> He's back. I mean, Nick has to tell them to keep their voices down because they're like, oh, right, you've escaped. <laughs> What's going oh, God, on? Keep down. They are good. All these actors are good. They're very believable as his friends, though. I'll say that. And, yes. you know, you've got three kind of distinct personalities. You know, it looks like they're friends. It's very realistic. So he's going for advice. He's uh, he's asking where Joe is. They guess that he wants to escape. Um, yeah. Joe hasn't got his plane because it got gunged. Do you remember? Yes. <laughs> In Noel Edmonds' his gunge tank. <laughs> you want him to fly you out? No chance. I got his plane anyway. Impounded it. But you can't get a message to him. Oh, no, I've already told you. Christ on a bicycle, it's a bloody bird man from Alcatraz. Did you want a megaphone? They're near down the curry house. What are you doing here? He's looking for Joe. What? You need a flight out. Don't look at me, I've got a career. I've got a family. Well, you could at least get him a drink. What do you want one? It's the Pope, a Catholic. But you need a bit of cash, I can help that way, but to fly you out with just Steve, a few Steve, 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 just get me a drink. Yeah, have mine. Jerry passes his pint over to Nick and then <laughs> the glass is knocked over by Nick's glass hand. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which is nice actually. I do like this bit. I used to pause this bit a lot when I was younger and look at it frame by frame. I thought it was because he touched the pipe glass and the uh, the wetness had gone onto his hand. <laughs> it wasn't that. No. It was a splash. The, the big obvious got a splash from before. Yeah, I was like, oh, that's clever. That's really well done. He's really thought about this. Condensation on the pint glass. Wow. Then I thought, no, I've been too clever. He's uh, clever. Um... His, his glass hand knocks it over, and then everyone's like, "What? Oh my god! What the hell's going on?" So Nick just runs. Yeah. Oh no! Runs, but just make sure to knock a few more people over and drinks and stuff on his way. <laughs> whole tray, whole tray of drinks goes over. I mean, it is a weird thing because I would probably just go, "Listen, guys, something, something weird's going to happen now. Don't panic." I'm just going to walk away slowly. You might not see me leave, but there's a good reason. 
Because they'd be freaked out to run away like that. It's just asking for trouble. What's going on? Hey, what's wrong with your hand, man? I think that's one of the lines. <laughs> so he's run out, but then we get another bit of music over the top, which is very tenuous. <laughs> but as he's disappearing limb by limb, we have get <laughs> dem bones, dem bones. <laughs> yes. Dem dry bones in the background. Which is all right, adds a bit of humour to it. Yeah. Makes it, it's not too serious. <laughs> and we get the classic empty clothes shot for a little bit. Yeah. The clothes taking themselves off. Yeah, it's nice. The glassiness kind of helps, because they can sort of just forget about, you know, the neck of the hoodie and all that kind of thing. For a little bit. They can just have this sort of glass head over the top of it. Mm. Clever. And then we see we've got POV as he pushes past the policeman outside his flat. Very rude of him. Also, this was a bit more difficult, but I noticed part of um, an address. Oh, wow. In the glass of the <laughs> of this building. And it is 34 to 48 Castellane Road. Castellane. Which is also in Maida Vale. And it is a three-minute walk from there to the pub. So that is, it is actually his local pub, which is brilliant. That's well done, yeah. That is good, yes. If, if people want to go and check that out, you can go there. Go and knock on the door. Yeah, put a blue plaque up. Nick Cameron lived here. <laughs> <laughs> That'll vanish as well when the council sees it. He pushes past this police officer, and then about three seconds later, he's up on the first floor pulling the curtains. He got up there very quickly. And where were his keys? Um, <laughs> well, he's got another trait that a lot of Anthony um, Horowitz characters have. Parkour. He's able to clamber up banisters <laughs> and jump over banisters and through doors and windows. So, yeah, easy. Parkour. Oh, hey, you know what? I haven't looked at these side by side, but of course that's his, that's the flat from in the beginning when Jane Kate was there. Yes. I see. I wonder if Jane Kate is still there. No, actually, do you know what? This is where he'll read that message, innit? Yes. Rub it off. He went, he flew, he got put straight in prison. That message is still on the mirror. <laughs> I'm busy tonight. <laughs> Probably chuckled and went, so am I. <laughs> I was sleeping in somebody else's bed that night. Her Majesty's. <laughs> <laughs> so, cut to Alice yes. at home, lounging around in a dressing gown. Got her hair down. As you do. Relaxed. Probably just freshly out the shower, isn't she? I think she is, yes. The bath or the shower, yeah. There's a knock at the door. And it's Gordon. What, what a boy he is. Inviting himself in. He's boring. What does he want to talk about? What do you want, Gordon? Oh, some tea would be nice. Well, I have to say, this is something of a surprise. Well, as I said, I was coming this way. And I wanted to know why you decided to take the day off. Well, I haven't. I can go over those papers just as easily here as I can in the office. And well, I was waiting for someone to call. Not Nick Cameron, I hope. You have seen today's headlines. And he's also got the front page of the Express. So we've got a little headline, like in Crime Traveller, Designer Death Scare. That was on the Express, I think, as well, wasn't it? I love the Express. The Express. Plutonium pilot in jailbreak. Catchy. Plutonium pilot. I would have liked to have seen a massive picture of Neil Morris's face on the cover, but there wasn't. There was little. So it's made front page news. And Gordon is suspicious about it yes uh but alice has worked out that there may be a link between the lawrence case and the cameron case there was one thing he said which rang a faint bell 
Ever since I heard it, I've been trying to work out what it was, and this morning I finally realised. What? The Lawrence case. <laughs> You're not going to tell me there's a connection between Cameron and Lawrence, are you? You don't think that's a bit of a coincidence? No. Maybe. Look, I don't know. That's why I wanted to look at the Lawrence papers. Alice, what's going on? And then Gordon, like, grabs Alice's hand. Yeah. <laughs> And insinuates that there's something going on between Alice and Nick. You seem to be spending a lot of time doing this. Ever since I handed you this small time crook, you've been obsessed with him. I am not obsessed. Slogging on his case, visiting him in jail, waiting on his calls. What's got into you? Fancy a bit of rough, eh? How dare you! <laughs> Spare me the blushes. All of a sudden, the tea gets knocked like Matilda (laughs) into Gordon's lap. And then his chair gets pulled away. (laughs) He falls onto the floor. Hijinks going on. It's weird. I mean, he is saying, like, is there something going on? But, I mean, she hasn't really got that involved. She's seen him once. She's found a vital bit of evidence by looking through the phone book, sure. But, you know. I don't think she spent, like, months on it, like, maybe a day. Yeah, it just reeks of someone just being annoyed. Maybe jealous, slightly, isn't it? Um, But all all very funny stuff, this. Yes. So Gordon is a bit embarrassed about this series of events. He's got assaulted by his own tea, and he's just landed on his coccyx. Oh. um, (laughs) So he takes Alice off the Lawrence case completely. Forget about the Lawrence case. And he storms out, embarrassed. Very sad for her. Yeah. It's probably a bit of a money earner, to be honest. Yeah. Alice is suspicious as well now. Yeah, because tea doesn't fall off the table on its own, unless you've got, you know, a child around, or or an elderly person. (laughs) (laughs) Those are the two things. That was freshly made tea as well. It must have been boiling. (laughs) Boiling hot. So, she asks... Nick? Are you here, Nick? And then we get what I like to call the ITV camera spin. Which happens a lot in 90s ITV shows where the camera sort of circles the actor in the middle and shows the entire perimeter of the set. Or as people are speaking, it goes round and round and round. We see it a few times in this show. Nick, don't do this to me. You are here. All right, Nick, you win. I believe you. Thank you. Oh, my God. So he is there. Does that mean he came in with Gordon? No, I don't believe so. I think he's been in there watching her shower. It comes across as weird. He's using the powers that he's been given to sneak and check up on this woman. I I mean, it only occurred to me now, I assumed he'd been there the whole time till I watched it to make notes. And I thought, oh, no, maybe he he has actually just come in behind Gordon. But I don't know. But why? Why would he follow him? We don't know. Well, no, he might have been waiting outside Alice's flat and then just happened to see him walk in. But But why wait outside her flat? I mean, that's even weirder. Because he had to apologise. Yeah. Sorry for storming it. Look, I am invisible, for real. Oh, no, that's probably it, actually. He's got to prove to Alice that he's invisible, hasn't he? So he's probably gone, right, got to run over to Alice's quick. So you're giving him the benefit of the doubt. You're giving 
this man <laughs> who has been given the power of invisibility, this man in particular, definitely wouldn't have been hiding out watching her shower. Oh, I don't know. Benefit of the doubt. And then Alice looks down at the floor and sees two sets of footprints <laughs> around the toilet. <laughs> but anyway, there's a bit where she's just talking to thin air. And um, and this is weird because he's been a bit slimy as well. I'm here, Alice. Ugh. Can I? Yeah, just be careful what you touch. <laughs> All right, calm down, mate. I mean, she's putting her hand higher than her own head, so unless you're <laughs> stood on a chair, oh. swinging it around, then it'd be fine. But then Alice puts her hand towards the camera, and then her pads of her hands touch something. Yeah, glass. But there's no... It's nice. There's no reflection. You can't see that it's glass. You can just see mm. the pressure on her hands. Nice. But it, he has got a big flat glass face. <laughs> By the looks of it. Oh, you appear to have put your face in the refrigerator like Drop Dead Fred. (laughs) (laughs) Then Nick decides to just put all his chips on the table (laughs) and just take Alice for a little spin in (laughs) mid-air. Naked, I might add. (laughs) (laughs) With his erect penis. Yeah. (laughs) What was it that knocked the tea over before? It's not the worst effect in the world, but she's obviously having to keep in one exact position the whole way around. Because <laughs> she's on a rig. Yeah. Yes. The music in the background is I Ain't Got No Body by Louis Prima, a.k.a. Yeah. the guy that did King Louis in The Jungle Book. Ooby Doo, Wanna Be Like You. 1956. It's actually two songs paired together, this. Because it was I Ain't Got No Body and then also fused with Just a Gigolo as well. It's like a medley or a a mega mix. Do you remember Just a Gigolo, the sitcom? No, I don't. But you mentioned it before. Uh, Just a Gigolo, weirdly, is also the name of a 1993 sitcom starring Tony Slattery, which is one of the shows that I thought might be good (laughs) to one day cover on this because nobody knows anything about it and it went for seven episodes. So maybe one day we'll cover that, but I don't know how successful that would be. Yes. Anyway, so they're dancing around, and then we cut to the Gaiji's board meeting. And they all seem very pleased with themselves. You've done it. Yes. The Gaiji's process works. Now, we have to find out why it works. Why Cameron? We have to discover what makes him different. It was the radiation. It has to be. He was exposed to plutonium before he came here, and it must have done something to him. Done what? Well, we won't know that until we've examined him. And we can't do that until we find him. The Gaiji's process works! (laughs) It works! Oh, God. This guy, man. He is the worst. The look, the silly voice, the pouring of liquid, the sock head, the glasses... (laughs) Just don't like him. Part Slipknot, part pro wrestler, part sock. I don't know what he is. He's just a mess. Yeah. I suppose we're not meant to be scared of him, but it's obviously painted up as a villain type, isn't it? To be scared of him. Not scared necessarily, but he's more of a mystery at the moment, isn't he? Yeah. So now they need to find out why it's worked with Nick Cameron. Remember the radiation? Maybe that was part of it. Yeah. He'd been exposed. There have been more ways than one. <laughs> 
Um, one of the guys in the board meeting is a grey-haired man, yes. who we don't know who he is yet. And he says the line, When I started supplying you, you told me no one would find out. And they haven't. What now? With this man on the loose, how long before he goes to the police or, or the press? He won't. Nick Cameron can't go to the police. He's a wanted terrorist with a 25-year sentence to serve. He might have friends. Not anymore. He's alone. And he's invisible. Permanently invisible. It's interesting because they think he's permanently invisible. Yes. Which is nice. So they're sort of like going, well, haha, you'll be invisible forever and he'll have to come crawling to us. Ha <laughs> I imagine. They don't know he's had his bum out in the woods. Yeah, they they don't know he's got the best of both worlds. Yeah, because it's two different characters that don't know what the other one's doing. It's nice. Do you think Anthony Horowitz got the idea from this from Woof? <laughs> Not thought about that for ages. Woof. <laughs> Did he have no clothes on as well when he turned back? Yes. Bloody hell. Yeah. If woof, it just, just happened. Well, wait, she knows. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, woof. I turn into a dog. I don't know <laughs> why. <laughs> yeah, so they're just going to basically wait for him to turn up. Yes. Don't go looking for him. He'll come to us. Uh, we go back to Alice's flat, and there's another ITV spin, but this one's for a reason. I mean, I remember when I was younger being slightly disappointed with this kind of thing, but those moments where there isn't CGI to an effect, and this is one of them where they've just used a different kind of approach, and that is to have Alice speaking to an empty chair, and then the camera kind of spinning round, and then by the time we get back to the chair, Neil Morrissey is there. And it's all right, it's good, isn't it? It sort of solves a problem, budget-wise. So they're talking about Edward Lawrence, the chairman of Solex Chemicals. That was Lawrence just then. Ah, the grey I've got to say, 23 years later, and a lot of this plot, it's still quite complicated. <laughs> For a pilot as well, there's loads of stuff going on. Yeah, I mean... Uh... With all these different story strands. So that was Edward Lawrence, even though nobody said. Look, when I said there might be a link between you and Edward Lawrence, I wasn't lying. What link's that? Hanoi. The word you saw on the machine that made you invisible... It- You're certain it was Hanoi? Yeah. Listen, Edward Lawrence is chairman of a company called Solex Chemicals. They're the sole UK manufacturer of a chemical called Harnium. Never heard of it. No, well, last year there was a spillage. He polluted about 300 acres of countryside. Now, we're in the process of trying to sue him, but at the moment, he's pretending he doesn't even make the stuff. Sorry, Alice, I'm just not with you. Oh, my God. Nick reappears with his little tuft of chest hair. Mm. Um, and also, Lawrence is pretending that he doesn't make Harnium. Don't know how he's doing that. <laughs> don't don't look in my factory. Nick's left his clothes outside for some reason. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> so he has to, oh, excuse me, just get my newspaper again. And then we just see an old little old lady neighbour just laughing at him, <laughs> creeping out with the no clothes on. Afternoon. Isn't it weird, like, when, like, that was her only job in the whole <laughs> production? Yeah, they needed an old lady to laugh at him. And yet she will have sat down and watched it with everyone else. Wait for my bit, oh, wait for my bit. And they went, oh, that was marvellous. Hey, I wonder if they've got a copy. Oh, they will have, on VHS. She's probably not alive anymore, unfortunately. Oh. Well, who got it in the will? Be in the attic. Mm. Because people don't clear out attics. Well, I mean, one of the videos is in my attic as we speak. Yes. <laughs> I'm guarding it with my life. 
Maybe we should do an appeal. If anyone has got any information regarding episodes of The Vanishing Man in whatever quality, just send them in. Recorded off the telly or VHS or stolen or streamed or signed by Anthony Horowitz. I've never heard of this. Love Anthony. Anthony Pressplay at gmail.com. Anyway, so they've worked it out, or Alice rather, has worked out that Nick didn't see Hanoi written on the canister. It's actually the chemical name for... Harnium nitrate. Yep, or H-A-N-O Mark 1. Hanoi. So this company's Solex must be part of it. Exactly. They're the suppliers, supplying guides. Yep. So where is this company based? Well, they've got offices in the city, but... Nick, I can't just walk in there. That's exactly my point, Alice. You can't. But I can. It's very clever. So Solex is supplying Gaiges. The whole thing links together very, 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 very conveniently. I like that. Yeah. So they still don't know what makes him invisible. No. You think you would have figured it out by now, wouldn't you? <laughs> I mean, let's discuss this. Let's discuss the stupidity of the writing. Yeah. Right? I mean, I love Anthony Horowitz. After the first time that I was showering, I think I would have twigged. You would have certainly realised after you got splashed by the car. Or when the condensation from the pint glass went on your hand. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be thinking all the time, wouldn't you? When was the first time? Oh, it was, um, it was when I was soaking wet in the shower. <laughs> it's the first thing I would think of when it first happened. And then I didn't really turn invisible again until I had a bath and then... Ooh. Yeah, it's, it's, it's poor writing. It's, it's just not very good. Yeah, it's just at odds with the rest of the plot that this should be a, a very simple thing that's not spotted. I don't think it would have made that much difference if they'd have worked it out now or no. one scene ago. Well, he could have just gone, oh yeah, when I get wet, I go invisible. So we can get in there. Cuts it out, doesn't it? So we don't have to do all this stuff with him trying to work it out. Mm. It's just a bit silly. Anyway, they still don't work this out for a few minutes. So <laughs> <laughs> I fade in, I fade out. That's what he says. Anyway, Forstatter is on the phone to the local police, I think. Mm. They have found Alice's crashed car. And because it's a company car, they've traced it back to Herbert and Wells' solicitors. Mm. So they know that most likely Nick... Is with her. Yeah, puts her in danger now. That's the problem here. She's very much on the radar, just as much as he is. Yes, and so we end part three. Later today, Rex finds himself falling in with the wrong crowd. I wouldn't believe the kind of day I've had. Oh, yes, we would, sir. Is he about to have his collar felt? I've been arrested. I'm on the run. Yes, indeed. Woof, Later. Part four. So, Joe makes a reappearance. Mm-hmm. Nick's brother, who we haven't seen since the beginning, basically. Joe, who got him into this mess in the first place. He goes back into Wingspan to find Alice just sitting there. Who are you? A friend of Nick's. So you're Nick's brief? Well, I was. It was you who set him up, wasn't it, John? I didn't know what he was carrying. You've got to believe me. Did you ask? We needed the work. The whole business was going down the tubes. All the debts keeping a plane running. So what happened? I met someone in a pub. Cash in hand, no questions asked. I thought it was porn. I did want to turn myself in, but Nick wouldn't let me. He said we'd only end up sharing a cell. Yeah, well, he was probably right. 
Yeah, he's a bit of a dodgy old character, is Joe. I mean, obviously, so is his brother. I mean, they're all a bit dodgy. Well, although I do think if he'd run it by Nick, Nick would have been the person to go, oh, I don't know if I'm comfortable with this. Yeah. Well, actually, no, Joe didn't know what it was either, did he? He says he thought it was porn. <laughs> yeah. Which could have landed him in just as much trouble, depending on what that was. Yeah, if it needs to be smuggled in. Snuff films, maybe. Yeah, so he finds out that Nick is a fugitive, and Alice says um, he's not quite himself, and then we cut to a big close-up of Joe's face. Invisible! Invisible? This has got to be a joke, right? Well, you're not invisible now, are you? No, of course I'm not, you pillock. I fade in, I fade out, it just sort of happens. What, when there's a full moon? I thought you were going to tell him. I did tell him. Yeah, 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 she told me. Guy, jeez. The man in the Velcro mask, what is she, a shrink or something? She's my solicitor. Joe mentions um, Guy G's. Obviously, they filled him in a little bit on this. Yeah. We've just cut straight to it. So. But he mentions the man in the Velcro mask, which we all know, Mr. Gimp, innit? <laughs> but I can't remember Nick Cameron ever meeting him. We see him in like in the shadows in the window, but the, how does he know about him? Yeah, I mean, are we just jumping to conclusions that he probably has? I mean, he's quite noticeable, I guess. And that they know it's Velcro as well. (laughs) Because they all pull it off of him when they walk by him as a joke. (laughs) Mm. Hey, do you know what I used to love? That game. Well, actually, two versions of it. One where you had the little Velcro bats. Yeah, you used to throw it. a big Velcro ball to each other. And then it changed, in it, to putting Velcro on your head <laughs> and having balls lobbed at your head. So were you suggesting that they just throw things at the gimp <laughs> they land on his face? Got to pass the time somehow, haven't they? <laughs> I didn't know it was plutonium. Yeah, well, if you did know, you still would have sent me, wouldn't you? Only you'd have just charged more. Oh, come no, on. No, I should have known about this. I've missed with this. Do you know what this is? Do you know what it is? <sighs> the St. Giles steeple fund all over again. Uh, nothing to do with the steeple. You had that money away. So they've grown up together. So why one is from Stafford and the other one's from Liverpool? I've no idea. You know what, though? I like this because we've discussed this before. Yeah. There's points in Crime Traveller where we don't get background on characters. And here we're presented with a little story to give them a bit of character. I think it's something that was really lacking from Series 1 of Crime Traveller was, was just fleshing out some of those well, not even the side characters, the main characters, to be honest. Yeah, exactly, yeah. We never got that with Jeff, did we? If only they had the same accent. Uh, I'm just going to quickly look, because I've not yet. I assume, would you say that Nick was the older brother out of these two? Mm, no, I think Joe is. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I think I thought in my head he was probably the younger one. But I've just looked at the actors, at least. Uh, Mark Womack is about a year older than Neil Morrissey, mm. but you didn't look it. <laughs> no, to me though, it's the, it's maybe not the the looking, it's the, the way they act. Mm. Even though Joe's a wheeler dealer, I think that Joe's a bit more serious, definitely. Yeah, Mark Womack is 18 months older. So yeah, I guess Joe is the older brother. I thought St. Giles Steeple Fund was a bit of a specific reference. And then I was wondering whether it was one like near where Anthony Horowitz lived or near where he grew up or something like that. But I did a little quick Google, but then I, I gave up. Couldn't find anything. Oh. But yeah, it's not a it's not a name that you would think of specifically. St. Giles. Strange. Alice breaks up their little argument and basically they have to get into the office and the computer system of Solex Chemicals to get this information. Dun, dun, dun. 
obviously they don't know still how he becomes invisible. So they've just got to wait. Do they wait inside? No, outside. Do you know what I would have done? At least I would have waited in a cafe or something. If you're waiting to turn invisible, would you do it in a public square? (laughs) No. (laughs) Would you bring an umbrella? Yeah. How much longer? As long as it takes. They'll be coming back soon. You don't feel it coming on? No. I'm soaked. Do you know what I've been thinking? Oh, I wish it wouldn't, Joe. No, no, seriously. If you really can turn invisible, it's got to be worth something, hasn't it? Yeah? Yeah, you could go to the tabloids for a start. I mean, they'd pay a bomb. Yeah? And who's going to spend it while I'm locked up in jail, eh? Well, if they're going to treat you like a criminal, why not behave like one? I mean, think about it. Think of the possibilities. You could go into any bank, any jewellery shop. You could fill your pockets and... Joe, it's happening. It's weird that they were waiting so long, it took so long, when when really it was just in the shower and it happened straight away. I don't understand the ratio of it, why it took so long. One time it didn't the other, what's the difference? Well, maybe, when he was in the shower, his full body was getting wet, wasn't it? <laughs> and in this situation, it's just his head that's getting wet, so maybe that's why it just takes a certain amount of water or something. Yeah, maybe, have a bath. A. We're going back to the tour of the of the UK here because I worked out where this was filmed. <laughs> <laughs> Nick Bowden's tour of the world. Here we go. So, Nick, where are we? They're standing outside a statue. Did you notice? Of like, I thought it was like a big baby or something originally, but I found it by just googling "fat woman statue London" and it popped up straight away. <laughs> oh, brilliant! Yeah, that's not on, is it? But they are outside a statue called the Broadgate Venus, 1989 bronze statue by Colombian sculptor Fernando Batero. So they're in Exchange Square in Broadgate, London, England, UK. And it's still there. We can visit it today. Brilliant. It's not been tore down or anything. Yeah, Joe's uh, thought about ways to get money out of this, basically. He can go into any bank, any jewellery shop. I don't know how he'd walk out without, you know... It's not like the stuff he touches disappears with him. I mean, it'll be on him. Just all this gold just walking out on its own. (laughs) He hasn't thought that through. (laughs) Although I guess, well, they could do what they're going to do here, which is snoop at some uh, security codes and stuff, but... Yes, that's smarter. Yeah, so as he's going on about being millionaires, it happens. He starts turning... But we don't see it, it's just a nice little fade this time. Oh, what's happening? So, cut to Mr. Lawrence walking into his office. Yeah, this is weird. This is all a bit predator, isn't it, this bit? Like, Mm. rustling of leaves and trees. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it is strange. Um, He's got a feeling he's being watched. But to distract him, he's been given an empty envelope to open. (laughs) Yeah. That's an interesting part of the plan, isn't it, really? Oh, got an empty envelope. Brilliant. I mean, that would make me more paranoid. I'd be like, this might be cyanide. What's going on? You don't seem bothered. Or is it a blank piece of paper? You get? I can't remember. Oh, no, yeah, yeah blank it's... paper. It is, yeah, it's a full bit of blank paper. But you'd be like, this is weird. What's <sighs> happening here? Yeah, it's just like, whatever. It must happen all the time. Hey, it was watching this scene back in the day and how he opens this envelope... That is actually how I open envelopes to this day <laughs> from him. <laughs> Learned it from him. Because what I used to do, I used to sort of tear along the seal of the envelope, like down along the gummy bit. And seeing him put his finger under and rip it from the top, I thought, I can do that. 
<laughs> like when people, you know, when people use actual letter openers. <laughs> That's a really weird thing. Yeah. So thank you, Mr. Lawrence, for teaching me a basic life skill <laughs> at the age of 12 or whatever it was. Mr. Lawrence, I have a call for you. Who is it? He won't give a name. Uh, he says it's got something to do with Gyges. Carol, keep your voice down. Gyges. But it's Joe. Yes? Mr. Lawrence? Who is this? It doesn't matter who this is. I know about Gyges. Gyges? I, I don't know what you're talking about. Then why are you talking to me, Mr. Lawrence? Listen, that computer system of yours. And what about it? Take a look in your files. I just did. I've left a calling card. You are lying. I don't think so, Mr. Lawrence. I'll call you back. And then we can talk terms. But it's just an elaborate bluff because then he logs onto the system. This is the important bit. And then <laughs> the blob watches him from behind. The blob. Sometimes he's walked that whole corridor, not being seen at all, and then all of a sudden it's a little bit glassy, watery kind of thing. Yes. None of it's great. What, in terms of the technology, you mean, or plot point? Yeah, I mean, we've constantly discussed that the the CGI is poor. They do their best. The weird blob is bad. I just wish they didn't even bother with that. Well, as I've said before, though, it's something we haven't seen in Invisible Man stories before. This idea that you can see a vague kind of glassy outline. In this case, we do need to see it because um, it's important because we need to know what's going on. Yeah, I guess we do need to see something. And I guess the technology wasn't there to just have it a bit more faint. It's just the fact that there was absolutely nothing down the corridor. And then all of a sudden, (laughs) here comes the blob. So he's watching the password. Um, hey, we have got a date of exactly when this is. Because it shows up on Lawrence's computer. The date is the 21st of November, 1996. Wow. So whether that was the actual day that it was filmed, mm. who knows? But yeah, it's quite interesting. And his files haven't been changed since the 20th. So that was a lie, actually, Joe. You haven't left a calling card at all. <laughs> it was a Thursday. I'm just going to read quickly. It was a Thursday. Uh, UK number one single was Breathe by The Prodigy. Fantastic tune. Uh, number one album, Spice by The Spice Girls, obviously. Celebrity birthdays, got Goldie Horn, who was 51. Björk, who was 31. And Carly Rae Jepsen was 11. Ah, Prime Minister John Major. Um, this is an interesting thing where it still happens a little bit nowadays, but where um, they have to invent a computer system. Yeah, that isn't real. Like, what does this system actually do? What is it? It's just a load of, like, contacts and stuff. I don't know what you're scrolling through, what it does. Yeah, it's not quite DOS. It's not no. quite Windows. It's kind of an amalgamation of the two. I reckon if you paused it, it'd come up with loads of stuff. I haven't done it, but... Um... I actually like this whole sequence. I thought it was a really clever, clever use of being invisible. The only thing is, it's um, he's got one shot to memorise that password. Yeah. And he don't mess about typing it in. He's a bit slow, but... It's all, I think it's all numbers, but you've got to remember that all that time. I suppose. You've got nowhere to write it down. It's a shame because there was a blank piece of paper in that <laughs> that he could have used. <laughs> <laughs> oh. uh, so Lawrence is a bit spooked by this. Lawrence leaves, gets Carol to cancel his appointments. Got to go and tell Gaijis that someone's onto them. Gaijis? 
So he leaves his office. I don't know whether he realises at that point, but if you're dealing with an invisible man that knows about gauges, but I probably wouldn't leave my office. <laughs> or would have covered my hand as I typed my password. Yeah, probably would call security. Just listen out for someone going... Yeah, you would probably sit there and say out loud to yourself, I know you're here. Because you may as well. Because if they're not, no harm done. And if they are, they're spooked, aren't they? You know, it's it's a win-win. But now he doesn't, he leaves. Yeah, (sighs) just turns his monitor off instead of his tower. Do you remember that with, where, where the monitors used to say, like, it's now safe to turn off your computer? Yes, I do. God, I do. <laughs> it's now safe to turn off your computer. Thank you, computer. <laughs> I'm not going to get a bad recovery partition. Thank you. <laughs> Nick logs back in then. He's remembered this password, this string of numbers. And this is a nice little easy effect, having these um, keys be pressed on their own. Mm-hmm. Effective. He seems to know his way around this program <laughs> quite easily. Because he gets all the info and sends it to legal at agrant.co.uk, modern. Yeah, but, I mean, as soon as this happened, I, I thought, we're well, not covering your tracks very well. No. I mean... To Alice Grant from Nick Cameron. <laughs> I thought, great, so you've gone through all of that. As soon as I did this, I thought, well, yeah, fuck that up, guys. But this means, this email address, it means that she's got her own website. She's got her own business. Yeah, it's not, um, what's it called? It's not her solicitors, is it? No. I did try and find out, um, <laughs> but unbelievably, agrant.co.uk is not a website. Not yet. Yeah, well, exactly, exactly. agrant.co.uk can link to this episode. So, the gang are back at home, and they're going through this stolen information. This is great. Solets have been manufacturing Harnium for years, and it's all here. Look, dates, invoices, quantities. What about Gyges? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's here, look. And uh, twice more on this place. It's also a nice little scene because it looks like they're talking to an invisible Nick. Yes. But then about ten seconds in, Neil Morris just wanders in, <laughs> fully visible and clothed. <laughs> he was just off camera, very clever. Got ya. So now they can blackmail him for info on Gyges. Ha, ha, ha. Nick, I could destroy him unless he tells me what I want to know. What, you're just going to walk into his office? Why not? Because you don't know these people, the people behind him. What does it matter? I mean, they're not going to try anything, are they? Not in the middle of London in broad daylight. She's right. And anyway, they're not expecting me. Why should they? They don't know I'm connected with you. Well, you think it's okay, huh? Sure. You see, now I'm really worried. Yeah, they think that they don't know who Alice is, don't they? Which is really stupid because they've just emailed her. Yeah. <laughs> they emailed her, yeah. And unbeknownst to them, they've also found the car that she smashed and hasn't gone back for. Yes, there's that as well. But there's a, a massive link to her. So, yeah, she's in a lot of danger. Guy G's are after her, basically. Yeah, she's um, being followed. So she's gone to mm. Lawrence's office to blackmail him, but she's being followed. Yeah, never a, a wise decision to go to an office and try and blackmail someone on your own. Yeah, she should have brought, um, what's his face? Gordon. <laughs> yeah. Gordon should have come and sat next to her. So she's gone in there all cocky thinking, yep, yeah, here we go, case closed. Oh, and she is cocky, isn't she? She's really cocky. Lawrence unbelievably knows that <laughs> things have been sent. Yeah. Sent files, everything, to A. Grant. <laughs> I've already told you I have nothing further to offer in the matter of these transactinide elements. 
I'm afraid some fresh evidence has come to light, Mr. Lawrence. Fresh evidence? I wonder if that would be the evidence that was stolen from this office yesterday by an unusually daring intruder. That was an intruder who managed to get past reception and security and who managed to remain undetected by any of our security cameras. Who even walked into this office, past my secretary, without being seen. An invisible man, you might say. I like this guy, David Hemmings, Lawrence. Oh. He's got a very good actor's voice, hasn't he? An actor's voice, yes. I know what you mean by that, yes. An invisible man, you might say. So, she's shitting herself. Yeah, good. I never wanted someone to get her comeuppance so much. Mm. It switched. I was like, well, now I want you to get caught. I mean, this always happens with me. I always end up kind of going, hmm, I've fallen out of favour a lot with the good guys, as it were, here. I, I have sided a little bit with the bad guys really? because the good guys are just coming across as complete dopes. So, yeah, I'm firmly on the side of the bad guys at the moment. Get Alice. Get her now. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is now because who walks in? Miss Jeffries. This is her? Yes. What is this? What's going on? You and I are leaving, Miss Grant, together. I'm not going anywhere. You've only seen one subject of the Gyges process so far, haven't you, my dear? I'm holding another. A Davis P380.38, to be precise. And it's pointing right at you. Are you trying to frighten me? No, I haven't started yet. Yeah, fantastic. Lovely entrance, I thought. Yeah, she's so good in this. Looks very um, posh as well, well-dressed. And, right, what do you think about this bit? Miss Jeffries has got an invisible gun. First off, it struck me as bizarre. It's hard to pull off, and it can come across as stupid with the wrong person. Yeah. However, it actually is done quite well here, I thought. Well, I think it's meant to look a bit silly at first, isn't it? Because Alice sort of like snorts at it. Yes. I looked at a picture of the gun and it is like a little one. She mimes it quite well. But here's where it turns. She turns the gun on Lawrence. (gasps) What's going on? I'm sorry, but I'm afraid your position has been irreparably compromised. Wait, wait a minute. I accept your resignation. Yeah, and I think once you get that shot, that's when, you know, it's a bit more scary, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And I think even though it's just a sound effect and a cut, it's very effective just to see somebody shot out of thin air. This is the bit that villains always do, isn't it, when they they turn on their own people? Yes. Yeah, just to show that power, the power play. Um, She is top of the the food chain here. And it's just that's just showing that, really. Under Velcro face, I would say. Well... Yeah, I mean, you say she's under Velcro face, but they do tend to almost be on a level with each other. Yeah, she's definitely the one facilitating everything. So she's liaising with the prison. She's there in the lab telling everyone what to do. Oh, yeah, I mean, he is the head, like literally, on the credits. Yeah, exactly. He is definitely the highest one. But yeah, it's an interesting play there with the hierarchy she can actually um interact with people in public as well can't she yes turn on the charm and stuff he can't hello (laughs) yeah so lawrence is dead and alice is taken away with a mime of a hand to the back Mm. 
Where are you taking me? There's a car outside. And please, don't do anything foolish. The bullet may be invisible, but the hole it makes won't be. Nick and Josie are being taken away. Yep. Nick tries to go after them, but Joe stops him. And then they get a call from Alice. Where is she? The Institute. Oh, no. I'd like to go and meet them tomorrow under some flyover. You're not going, Nick. What do you think I'll do to Alice if I don't? I'll be killer. Yeah, or worse. But you can't go, Nick. You know what they're going to do to you if you do go? They're going to chop you up and stick labels on the pieces. Oh, Tom, mate, very encouraging. Why don't I go instead of you? I'm sure they'll be delighted to see you. Oh, right, it was just an idea. Yeah, a stupid one. God, this is all my fault. Yeah. You don't have to agree. <laughs> so, they hatch a scheme. Yeah, I mean, I saw this scheme coming a mile off. Oh, right, okay. Because I thought, well, there's two of them. <laughs> I saw it coming. Yeah. Well, let's find out. <laughs> I mean, if only you could make yourself invisible. Well, I can't. I don't know how it happens or when it happens. It just happens. Okay, when has it happened? Lots of times. The first time's in the shower, yeah? Yeah, then it was in the flat, then in the pub, then outside Solex with you. Yeah, and if I'd waited any longer, I'd have died of pneumonia. <laughs> Hang on a minute. Oh, in the shower, in the rain, in my flat, I took a bath, and outside the pub, I got splashed by this car. Water? Yeah. When I get wet, it must be some sort of reaction. What, and you dissolve? Well, that's when it happens. Yeah, so there we go. They finally, God, they finally worked it out. (sighs) There's a bit of clunky dialogue in this scene (laughs) while they're Mm. working it all out. (laughs) If I'd have waited in the rain any longer, getting wet, hang on a minute. If I'd have got condensation off that pint glass (laughs) any longer. (laughs) 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 Nick follows current government guidelines washing his hands for 20 seconds <laughs> yeah very slow bit of a boring scene isn't it well especially as we've all worked out what turns him invisible about an hour ago <laughs> yeah this should have been the scene after the shower <laughs> when he reappears <laughs> we see invisible hands number two which i think works better actually in this one it actually looks a bit more like real invisible hands which is nice and it just looks generally better as well because it's not against yeah. uh, water, either. Quite nice, little glass hands. Yeah. <laughs> Joe kind of takes it all in his stride. What do you think? It's weird. Tell me about it. It's weird that you've turned into a blob. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to say he doesn't wash his hands when he goes to the toilet, but... <laughs> Now he just needs to experiment. What if this bit gets wet, that bit gets wet? How long does it last? Is there a ratio between the temperature of the water or how long I'm in the water or anything like that? No, none of that. Straight to the flyover. This will work. Yeah, the flyover looking like, oh, I don't know, East London. Yeah, it's a bit grim, isn't it, this one? Jeffrey's Chivers and Aman are there. <laughs> well, I think I don't know who he is. Never seen him before. Nick shouts from nowhere. Where's Alice? Where is she? We left her at the Institute. If I go with you, how do I know you'll let her go? How do I know you won't just kill us both? Yes, we think he's invisible. But then the invisible man appears in a balaclava and a coat. The classic invisible man look. Do you wonder what the mistake they've made here? They've not gone, can you take the balaclava off? (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> What's with the balaclava? Might be looking just going, oh no, one of the side effects of this is that you turn into a Velcro-headed man. <laughs> it's happening again. I need to wear it. It's cold. <laughs> I can take these clothes off and disappear. You'll never find me. What are you saying? I'm saying let her go first. Then you can have me. No. I'm sorry, I'm not prepared to risk that. Are you prepared to risk this? But he's come with a bit of insurance in the form of a grenade. Yeah. Looks a bit cool. You don't often see grenades, do you? And this one's a nice little smooth one. It's not like that pineapple one that you get, the classic grenade. No. So his terms are that nobody comes anywhere near him or touches him until he sees Alice. (laughs) Please do not remove my clothes. <laughs> when he sees Alice, then they get the grenade and they get him. I do hope you have a firm grip, Mr. Cameron. It's a long way. I know how long it is, Miss Jeffries. I've done it before. Yes, they get in the car and then drive to wherever. North. Yeah. Um, hey, we're on part five. We're on the final part now. End of part four. With the number one from Spice Girls, Texas, Eternal, Jamiroquai, Backstreet Boys, and the Blue Boy, James and the Beautiful South, number ones from Boyzone and No Doubt, 40 top chart hits from George Michael and the Bee Gees, now 36, that's what I call music. They say he's a pilot with a problem. They say he's been bad. You will go to prison for 25 years. They say he needs treatment. Of course it's safe. I really, really think this is a bad idea. But who are they? Neil Morris is feeling neither quite himself nor fully understood. But he's got a plan. Invisible. An ITV drama premiere. No, not now. The Vanishing Man, Wednesday 8 on Carlton. Part five. Does that still happen, like this this kind of ITV drama premiere? Because I like the feel of it. I remember a few things in the 90s with that were like like a little movie. I can't remember seeing these kind of one-off dramas recently. I think things are usually just commissioned as a series, aren't they now? They are, yeah. And, and obviously people like to binge them, don't they? And yeah. they don't want TV movies. They want TV series yeah. um, that they can watch six hours of in one go. Hmm. So the final part then, part five. We arrive at Guy G's Manor, which I'm calling it. Yeah. Alice is being guarded in a little room and Jeffries and Nick turn up. They get out. Nick wants to talk to Alice alone, hands Jeffries the grenade, and she just lobs it at Chivers. <laughs> what? It isn't even real. It's all out of control. Good. Mr. Cameron, I'm so glad to have you back with us. Then, Velcro Man comes out. Yeah, to have a game of Velcro Ball. So, when did they meet before this? Don't know. Because then he explains who he is. Who are you? I invented the Gaijis process. I was its first experiment. Its first catastrophe. You'd never know. I would have experimented on, like, a fork or something first. Yeah, and he's trying to fix it, or fix himself. Um, Yeah. 
which is great, but obviously, please stop experimenting on people. I'm guessing he's done it to a lot of people, and people have died. Mm. Is, is the implication. Yeah, I guess so. Because what happens when things don't work out? Do they get rid of them? Or... I've, ne- you know, I've never thought about that. Interesting. Nick's taken for experimentation. No hanging around here. They're going to slice and dice. Please make yourself comfortable, Mr Cameron. You've become a little less talkative, I notice. Are you afraid? I would be too. How are you going to proceed? It won't be easy. I ought to take samples from his glands... Maybe starting with the pancreas. And of course, finding it. You could use some sort of dye. It wouldn't show. I think we'll proceed using ultrasound. Even so, it's going to be very hit and miss. Try not to kill him. I can't guarantee anything. Either way, it'll be a medical first. A shame it won't appear in the Lancet. Hmm. We don't even know where you are. I just have to randomly stab at stuff. Meanwhile, something punches Alice's guard. Oh, God, there's two invisible men. <laughs> I quite like this bit. At the time, I hadn't worked out what was happening, so fair enough. Yeah. But, of course, as you worked out straight away, it's Joe under the clothes. Yeah. So, <laughs> this uh... is the thing. When they got in the car, he's saying, no one come anywhere near me and stuff. That's because, presumably, Nick had to sit on Joe's knee <laughs> for the whole time. Yes. Yes. <laughs> And they would have felt him. <laughs> I thought, I mean, he could have got on the roof rack, I guess, but imagine if he just appeared <laughs> halfway through. <laughs> just naked. <laughs> uh, oh. Yes, so it's Joe. Fine, Nick, where's he gone? Ah. So Nick um, is explaining all this to Alice. We've got to get out of here. D- just tell me, who was it in the balaclava? That was Joe. I was stood next to him doing all the talking. Joe! Come on! We, we can't just leave him. Don't worry about it. We've got it all worked out now. Come on, let's get out of here. For God's sake, Nick, what are you doing? Now, this, fair enough as plans go, but to suddenly pretend that Nick's turned on Joe <laughs> just to get out of it. No! What are you doing? Get off me, Nick! kind of works. Yeah, it does work. But it's a bit like, why would Nick turn on Joe? (laughs) But uses that opportunity to knock the guard out, which is good. And then Chivers goes at him with a scalpel. We had this in Crime Traveller, didn't we? Yes. This is good, though, because there's stuff, there's little trolleys and stuff that can be um, pushed over. Mm -hmm. You know, a load of, like, conical flasks and stuff that fall off. (laughs) Which is good. Alice gets caught by more guards. Two men with guns, and here am I all on my own. I surrender. Turn around! No. This I have to see. Nick grabs the guns and knocks them out. There's a couple of nice little scenes with, like, floating guns and stuff and um, some, like, finger marks on the guy's neck. You know, invisible finger marks. That's quite good. This is good. This is very action-y, very different, I thought. I thought this was um, a nice little contrast to uh, everything else, to be honest. It's picked up pace a little bit. Yeah, I'm finding it a bit hard to go through all this because a lot is happening all at once, isn't it? Yeah, up to this bit, a bit slow, and then all of a sudden it just kicks off. Mm. Very nice. This is all intercut with Joe and Chivers, you know, still fighting in the lab, pushing each other and stuff. Yeah. So this is probably the worst time to become visible again, but here we go. Alice. What is it? What's wrong? 
Oh no, Nick, no, not now! So the blob comes out the wall. <laughs> he turns visible next to a nicely placed banister. Yeah. That just hides the Morrissey modesty. Yeah. This is, like I said, he can't do much to control it. He, he has to get wet, I guess. Well, I've written this in my notes because I thought all he needs to do is just go find a tap, find a bathroom, get some water quick. Yeah. But he doesn't. He puts on a dressing gown <laughs> and just goes, oh, well, invisible now. Yeah, better dry off. But he doesn't find a tap. That should be the first thing he does. We've got to find water. I realise now what it is. Nah, that's it. He's had enough for the day. No. And then they immediately bump into Joe, who's dressed as a guard. Oh, oh God, Joe! Nick. What the hell are you doing here? What do you think I'm doing here? We're supposed to be outside by now. Just go, 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 go. go. Looks quite good in his black suit and his gun. Looks a bit mm. Bond, James Bondy. He does. I don't know how he's escaped Chivers and who he's got the <laughs> clothes off, but yeah, fine. He's not found any water either, so they just leave Joe. <laughs> See you then, Joe. Bye. Have fun. Nick and Alice go into like a storage warehouse. Oh, this for bit. all the invisible things. I've got an issue with this okay. bit. His suit is my issue with this bit. Oh, right. So I guess, because he, he goes into here and he finds his suit, doesn't he? His black jumpsuit. Oh, look. Yes. You got it. What? This is what I was wearing when they made me invisible. Well, it's very stylish, Nick. It fades out when I fade out. It's my suit. So I'm guessing this suit he wore in the series. Did he? Or do you want me to tell you now, or...? Well, I'm not going to watch the series, I'm guessing, because I'm probably not going to be able to find it. No, exactly. I did think that. Well, I've got in my notes about the suit as well, because he's very confident that it's, one, his suit, and two, that it fades in and fades out when he does, with no evidence whatsoever. (laughs) If it is plutonium, like the suit didn't get exposed to radiation, does it? So who knows? But he's very confident. Instead of just going, find some water, no, put the suit on. The suit, okay, I've got to tell you this. In episode one of the series, it's said in some dialogue that, (laughs) I'm embarrassed even saying this, that he sent the suit to be dry cleaned and he never saw it again. (laughs) Oh, thank the Lord. Good, because it was awful. Because it looked like something out of the 60s, and I guess that's what they were going for. That whole 60s, 70s aesthetic man on a bike, Evil Knievel style thing and it's awful oh. no one will wear that oh right i always thought i think i thought in the past that it looked quite cool did you also a, a lot of the publicity photos were like him in that suit as well so. i think he looked a bit like alvin stardust oh, yeah. <laughs> but he's yeah he's very confident he's like yeah it fades in fades out yeah it's my suit great right. <laughs> says who but fine yeah. yeah, just seeing all these things fading out because they've got like a 90s glow to them as they're doing it. It hurts my eyes looking at it. Mm. Then all of a sudden they find an invisible baboon that reappears. <laughs> this is what I've got an issue with because they make a big deal about, oh, it, we can make anything invisible but not flesh. Well, you've got an invisible baboon there. <laughs> okay. What is it? One of their failures. Come on. Come on. Look. Oh. Nick finds a motorbike. Brilliant. Yeah. Got something to escape on. I've got to tell you about this motorbike as well. (laughs) 
Right. Because that's also mentioned in the episode one. Okay. Oh, he took it to the garage and they, he never saw it again. <laughs> it got dry cleaned and he lost it. So that's all said within about 10 seconds. What about the suit? Oh, I took it to the dry cleaners and it disappeared. What about the motorbike? No, I took it to the garage. Gone. Seriously, they do both of those and they both go. Well, yeah, they're not in the series at all. That's got to be a budget thing, hasn't it? I mean, that's just... I don't know. It might just be that they wanted a few more bits of naked Neil Morrissey or... I don't know. I mean, that's not a good start, straight away. He may be invisible, but she isn't. Find the girl and you found him. So, this is the motorbike filler scene, as I call it. Um, this was the bit, this was the money shot that was in um, a lot of the trailers. Yeah. We get a nice bit of Randy Barkman in the background of this. You ain't seen nothing yet, which is a yeah. nice bit of wordplay on invisibility. That's where all the money went. It's a good song. It's quite nice, but yeah. we hear like the whole song, basically. So, they're driving along, all nice, and then it only goes and starts raining, doesn't it? Oh, good. Nick starts turning invisible. The bike starts turning invisible. Alice has an orgasm. And then... Uh, yeah, and then... Uh, <laughs> leaving Alice. A nice little shot of Alice. Spread eagle. Just speeding down the road on her own. In mid-air. Great ending shot, but it is overtly sexual. I never really got that at the time, but yeah, weird. they've got the classic shot of going past some farmers who don't know any better. <laughs> Just going, well, there we go. <laughs> Chewing on some straw, I think one of them is. I think, I know they're in the Russian stuff, but I think if I was driving a motorbike that was disappearing, I might pull over. <laughs> Going to draw attention to yourself like that. I mean, the motorbike disappears at exactly the same time, so that's affected by water as well. Well, it came out of the warehouse. I mean, Gaiji's water. I know, but like the warehouse, does everything go invisible in water? Must do. Like, his suit, fair enough, was done at the same time as him, but the motorbike's just a motorbike, and everything else was just sort of disappearing in different ways. Anyway, so I don't know why. It's just a nice coincidence that they all happen to go invisible at exactly the same time. Mm. And that's almost the end. Oh, God, it is. Wow. Yeah, okay, they've saved that shot till very late on, haven't they? So, Nick's escaped, Alice has escaped. We get the head and Miss Jeffries mm-hmm. having a little heart-to-heart. Well? He's gone. And the woman? With him. He's tricked us. No, not us. Me. It was my fault. I underestimated him. Do you want my resignation? No. No. No, you have to stay here forever. But they say Guy G's will have to be closed down. I don't know if they're going to relocate or what, but... Yeah, just call it some other weird name. Yeah. We have to disappear. But our work will go on. We have to find Cameron... He holds the answers, the key. I cannot 
not continue to live like this. Yeah. And then we get him um, pulling his glove off. What do you think of this little bit of effects? I love it. I think this is great. Again, it hurts my eyes to look at it, but... No. So we see the real him, or some of him anyway. Why did we not have more of this? Yeah. I like this more than the Velcro face. Mm. Yeah, same. Maybe we'll see more of him in the series. But yeah, we, this is the, all we see of his real true form. So basically, he's got semi-transparent bones and skin. Yeah, I love it. I like this a lot. And a horrible little crunching sound. It always went through me, that. It's a shame that it was left right to the end and then we never saw it again. Mm. Miss Jeffries does a nice little look, like, feels a bit sick. Mm. <laughs> Throws up in a bin. Cut back to... Oh, Gordon's back. I forgot he was in. <laughs> yeah, I forgot he came back. Yes. So we cut back to um, Wernham Hog, whatever they're called. <laughs> what they're called. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. So, Gordon knows that Lawrence is dead. The main guy that they needed. Yeah, he's gone. But Alice is pretty confident that they can still nail Solex, even without him. Yeah. No one is putting it together that Alice was the last person to see him alive. Oh, didn't he have that two o'clock meeting with you and then he died at 2.01? <laughs> yes. No one cares. Now, God, yeah, talk about leaving things right till the last minute. We've got a new character. <laughs> yeah, gets paid for five seconds. We have um, DCI Moreau who is played by James Lawrenson. Um, he has a warrant for Alice's arrest. Rightfully so. But then doesn't do anything about it. Harbouring a criminal, obstructing the course of justice, it's not quite what one would expect from a respectable solicitor. Nick Cameron is innocent, you know that. Ah, yes, yes, I do. But I'm not really very interested in uh, plutonium, smuggled or otherwise. And why are you here? I've been involved in a completely separate investigation, one concerning the highly unorthodox use of prisoners in a series of medical experiments. You know about Gyges? We've made several arrests, including the governor of Thane Park. Forstatter. Forskin. Yeah. James Lawrenson's name is on the opening credits, and here he is in the 11th hour. I think he's great, this character. I think the actor's good. I think all his lines sound really naturalistic. Can't wait to see him in the series. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yes. He is recast for the series, just oh. to let you know. Brilliant. <laughs> it's been decided that you and I should come to an arrangement. What sort of arrangement? We close the file on Nick Cameron. He goes back to his old job or, or whatever he wants to do, just so long as he stays out of the public eye. And if he doesn't? I believe his sentence was 25 years. He can still appeal. He can still lose. He's an official secrets kind of guy. I like it. Yes, so he's kind of blackmailing, i.e. let us have Nick Cameron helping us out and everything will be okay. A-okay. Yeah, nice nice little end, to be honest. Wraps everything up, ties everything up nicely. And then we just get one final scene of Nick painting the wingspan windows yellow for some reason. Yeah, I mean, doing a nice little bit of DIY work. Back to his day job. No, no, Nick, you've got paint on the glass. It'll wipe off. No, no, you should have taped it up. It'll wipe off. I'm just saying, you should have taped it up. When did you suddenly discover so much about painting, eh? It was me always did the painting when we had a business. All right, I'm not criticising. But I'm you just... are, aren't you? You're always criticising. Do you want to do it? No, 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 you paint. Yeah. It looks like a completely empty, dried-up tin of paint, that. 
Oh, piss colour. Yeah. What's he playing at? His stupid hard brush. What an idiot. And then Alice arrives. How are you? What do you think? Yellow. Canary yellow. Paint was going cheap. <sighs> you paint. Just ignore him, he's always like that. So, you got any clients? Not at the moment, no. It's just I've got this case and I thought you might be interested. Since when did you start working for Herman Wells? She's only after me for my lack of body. Will you look at it? Yeah, I'll look at it. Why not? Yeah, and this was, I suppose, a continuation setting up for the series. You know, we're going to have hijinks with Joe, with Alice, with um, with Nick. Brilliant. I guess what happens in the series, based on this, is that they all have a little base in the hut and they all do little cases from there. He's invisible. Yeah, yeah, that'd work. That'd be nice. I mean, it's already got a bit confused, hasn't it? Because Moreau's just said he wanted to use Nick, but then Alice is asking him to help, presumably with her own legal stuff as well. So he's going to be very much in demand. Brilliant. And that's it. And then we just get one more little shot of an invisible motorbike splashing through some puddles. And there we go. End. Closing credits. That great music again. So there we go. That is the end of The Vanishing Man as far as we're concerned. Mm. Because we can't do the series just yet, annoyingly. No, because it's completely disappeared. But in my head canon, the story ends here anyway. So it's fine. I'm fine with it. Nice end, to be honest. I really enjoyed it. Romp, I think is the right word, isn't it, to use? Yeah, sets it up nicely. Ends with a lot of possibilities. And when I was a kid, I had a year to daydream about how the series would continue, which is one reason I was so disappointed with it. I Yes, I loved this uh, at the time. How do you feel 20 plus years later? Um, Actually going through it like this and scrutinising it, I feel that the whole chemical thing and Lawrence and all that kind of thing went over my head when I was 12. I just used to look at Nick's story more than anyone else's, but... What I will say is, though, to say that this has got Neil Morrissey as the headline performer in it, it's a lot more, it's a lot darker and it's a lot more serious than Crime Traveller. There's not a lot of jokes in a lot of it, is there? No, and I think we've found that as we've gone through it, we've we've had less laughs to talk about, to be honest. Yeah, um, sorry everyone. And that's fine, you know, we've found our own jovial moments throughout it, but yeah, yeah it's, it's not as hilariously inept. No, however, when it came back for a series, they changed the tone of it, I remember, and it was oh. a bit more Crime Traveller-y in its tone. 
So maybe we should do the series. Well, I, I would, but I've only got two out of six episodes. Wow. Maybe it can be an ongoing series that whenever I find a video... Let's find them all. I've got my email alert set for Amazon and for eBay to alert me if anything comes up. If anybody's got them, we want them. But now I've had no luck, which is annoying because I could have got them about ten years ago if I'd remembered. I was just always confident that it would come out. But yeah, it's strange to say that it's an acclaimed writer. It's got Neil Morrissey in it. It's a gimmicky effects show. Just to have nothing on DVD. I thought everything in the world was released on DVD. Yeah, it's weird. Not even in the 90s. And this one wasn't even on VHS. So we're not going to talk about the series just yet. But what I will say is, as we've said, the motorbike and the suit are out of the picture mm. for all of it. There's a bit of a will they, won't they with Alice and Nick that I don't think ever gets resolved. The tone is a bit more jovial. One of the episodes has Morris in from Crime Traveller. Brilliant. It's got Crowley in as well as like a, a hitman or something, I don't know. Brilliant. I think the invisibility was like secondary to other parts of the plot a lot of the time. Yeah, so it was more solving something. So it might as well have just been like Jonathan Creek looking at a mystery, going invisible. And am I right in saying that Anthony Horowitz had nothing to do with the series that came afterwards or didn't write any of the episodes? He didn't. No, 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 he didn't. He didn't write any of it. And actually, I read somewhere that originally he wasn't even meant to write all of Crime Traveller. He just ended up doing all of them. But I would have liked to have seen where Anthony Horowitz would take this because I think it would have ended up a lot different and a lot more enjoyable and maybe fondly remembered. I'm sure we would have gone to some big houses (laughs) in the countryside. Yeah. (laughs) So the biggest change, the one that upset me the most, was the theme music changing. I remember it well. I was so excited. 1998 this was. (laughs) And I was shocked. They had a little recap of this episode. I knew something was wrong when the head was a different voice. They had a different voice and you went, wow, this isn't right. I'm not recording this. And they had like a couple of invisibility shots and the the motorbike shot. In fact, they mentioned the suit and the motorbike in the clips of the intro just so that they could go, oh yeah, we've not got them anymore. (laughs) What's the point? Oh man. Also, every actor in it is rubbish. Moreau is recast, the head is recast and Miss Jeffries is recast. Not good. Not good at all. But Mark Womack, Lucy Ackhurst and Neil Morrissey are still in it. Now, I've sent you the updated theme tune, which broke my heart as a 13-year-old. And um, in terms of the tone of how it changed, it will tell you everything you need to know. Brilliant. Let's have a look. That's awful. It's a bit... Well, we've got a friend, haven't we, that loves the Avengers. Yes, we have, yeah, yeah. Hi, Roy. Yeah. It's got that sort of sound. Yeah. That's fine. It's a bit like vintage-y, isn't it? 
But it's just so... It sounds like it's taking the piss to me, though. Yeah. And I know they're trying to make it a bit action-based, but actually, from what I remember, there's less action in the TV series than there is in the pilot. But it's weird, because, as you say, they got rid of the bike, and they got rid of the, the jumpsuit. So, a bit of a weird juxtaposition that they're going for. Yeah. Ugh. Just so... I was so upset. <laughs> That's why... Well, somewhere, maybe at my parents, the, they do still exist, but I'm pretty sure I taped over them because I hated it so much. And that was my undoing, because I could have been the only person in the world to own it. You could have been. I'm sorry, everyone, that that had to be put into the podcast, but there we go. Right. So, I've gone slightly mad um, recently, and I've started a comprehensive archive of not only The Vanishing Man, but also Crime Traveller, because sometimes you can get a two-for-one, both in one magazine. But yeah, I've been scouring eBay for old 1997 sci-fi fantasy TV magazines that people have kept pristine for 25 years, and I've been immediately cutting out the the relevant pages. So I've got quite a lot here. Um, I've got a little quote from Neil Morrissey about The Vanishing Man. Oh, are you going to read it in in his voice? I will. I'll try. (laughs) I'll try. He talks about the series, and this is why I think it's relevant. So, this is uh, during promotion for the pilot. There are hopes that the idea could be made into a series, and Neil certainly believes it has potential. There are so many avenues we could explore. I mean, we have a bloke who could become invisible, with a lovely lawyer played by Lucy, lots of dodgy government types, and aeroplanes as well. It lends itself to a series, and I just hope that the audience really likes it. A year or two of doing The Vanishing Man wouldn't do anyone any harm, which I thought was <laughs> slightly unenthusiastic last. <laughs> yeah, it could be worse. <laughs> I suppose if I have to. It's better than going blind, isn't it? <laughs> but yeah, so he talks about dodgy government types, aeroplanes, which I don't think feature at all <laughs> in the series. <laughs> As for the invisibility effects, Neil coyly comments... I'm not going to tell you how it's done, because I'm not entirely sure myself. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, Anthony Horowitz, as well, talks about it. So this is at the end of an article about Crime Traveller. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do an Anthony Horowitz impression, because I can't quite do it. But In the meantime, Horowitz has been turning his attention to another piece of fantasy intended to hit the British screens later this year. The Vanishing Man. This is very different. It's going to have special effects like you've never seen on British or American TV. Neil Morrissey says something like that as well about the effects being brilliant, like cinema quality. Fantastic effects. It has similarities to Crime Traveller in that it's set in a world around the corner from normality. Almost recognisable, but not quite there. And because it's Neil Morrissey, you can imagine it's got a certain quirkiness. (laughs) Men behaving invisibly, as it were. (laughs) Excellent. Oh. I've got my eBay notifications set for Crime Traveller as well. So I get about two DVD box sets every day. One of them was accidentally, or very optimistically, put on at about £1,500. <laughs> yes. You might have missed the decimal point in that. but um... <laughs> It was the first edition uh, print of the DVD. Yeah. Hey, if it was The Vanishing Man, I might consider it. There's a watch on eBay. A wristwatch, which says, <laughs> this is the watch that Jeff Slade wore <laughs> in Crime Traveller. <laughs> I thought, if it's the prop, I'm getting it. Because I'd love to have a prop from Crime Traveller. But it's not. It just happens to be the one that he wears. Oh, okay. I'm just having a look now. Is it on? It might still be on. No, it's not on anymore. It didn't sell, oh. surprisingly. Right. Uh- <laughs> 
Oh, but you found the actual listing, have you? <laughs> yeah. No bids. Yeah. And it says, sorry, I missed out on this. I don't think I did. Um, <laughs> £19 was the starting bid. Yeah. Um, £4.50 posted. I mean, it, yeah, yeah, it says this watch is identical to the one worn, not the actual watch that was worn in the series. Original box, no paperwork. So basically, he's just got the one that came from Next or yeah. wherever. Yeah, exactly. But and surely <laughs> that means when he bought it, he must have bought it because it was Jeff Slade's watch. Because you wouldn't find that out afterwards, just coincidentally. Oh, I'm watching Crime Traveler. Oh, that's my watch. It must have been a Crime Traveler fan that bought it on purpose. But why? There's why? so much to know about that. I might contact him and say, what is the deal with this? <laughs> If you look at the other items, they do sell watches. I'll have to see if any of the other ones are like, this was worn in this film or this is... No, they're not. How bizarre. I mean, if you want any watch from Crime Traveller, it's Holly's, isn't it? Not Jeff's. Yeah. And I know there are people out there that make replicas of things, you know, of props and TV stuff, and they do a very good job. Somebody must have made Holly's watch. Yeah, got to have. That works. I mean, not to travel in time, but... So, yeah, the last thing I wanted to say, one, I think we can all agree from watching this that Neil Morrissey is brill. He is good. He is really good, and I'm glad they cast him in this. Hey, I heard, um, apparently, Neil Morrissey was the very first person to be cast in um, Line of Duty. What, out of everyone? Yeah, he was the first name, he was the first person that they got. Oh, wow. And I'm hoping his character comes back, because he was brilliant in it, actually. Um He's great. But yeah, I just wanted to mention a podcast, an interview he does with Craig Parkinson, who was also in Line of Duty. And Craig has got a podcast called The Two Shot Podcast, where he interviews various people in the acting profession. Uh, And one of the early ones is with Neil Morrissey. And it's a really, really, really good interview. Oh, that sounds great. Yeah. It's very honest. He talks a lot about his childhood and being in care, being split up from his siblings, family troubles, and then having people getting behind him to spur him on to achieve things and get into drama school. I love listening to things about people's lives and Mm. and things like that. So, yeah, I'll check that out and uh, give that a listen. Did they ask him about um, Vanishing Man? No, but you know what? I did listen just in case. (laughs) I thought somebody's (laughs) got to mention something like that one day. Uh, no, they didn't, unfortunately. No. So, next time we're back to Crime Traveller. Yes. How exciting. I was thinking with The Vanishing Man, should we put it at the end of the series of Crime Traveller or what? But the nerd in me and the pedant in me thought, no, let's do it between the episodes that it was broadcast <laughs> on telly. <laughs> so that's why it's come at this strange point between episodes five and six, because that's when it was on. No, that makes sense. So, back to Crime Traveller. Yeah, it'd be good going back to them. I've missed Jeff, I've missed Holly, I've missed Grisham. That's about it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So the next episode is Death Minister. But until then, we'll say a fond farewell to Nick, Alice, Joe, Velcrohead, Foreskin, and all the gang. (laughs) Right, brilliant. See you next time. Goodbye. Bye now. (laughs) I don't know how to end this. Bye-bye. Let's do um, a Neil Morrissey and slowly fade out. (laughs) Goodbye, goodbye.